shit, I got beer on my freaking mic again. <laughs> Welcome to New Week, New Music. This week, we're going to be discussing music in general, and more specifically, what makes a perfect or 10 out of 10 album if such a thing exists? Now, uh, to get started, I kind of want to start with this question to you guys. Is a 10 out of 10, uh, is a 10, an, uh, an album with a score of 10, is that by default a perfect album? That's a good question. And so I was thinking about this a lot. Um, and to me, I don't know if art can ever be considered perfect. Um, I think it can approach perfection. But to say something is perfect, to me, that means like it can't get any better. So like mm-hmm. if you're taking a math test, you can get 100%. If you're shooting free throws, you can make every free throw. That's measurable. But with art, I just feel like to say something is perfect, you know, true perfection in a, in a very uh, uh, kind of, um, you know, literal definition is impossible. So for the purposes of this, I would say, you know, a perfect album is one that's just amazingly good because it's impossible to be 100%, I think, in art. Yeah, I think because of anything that's subjective can't be perfect because it is subjective. Like um, one example that I will talk about a lot for this episode, because in my opinion, it is the last perfect in quote finger quotes perfect album to come out and that is Kendrick Lamar's The Pimp a Butterfly the reason and I'll get more into my reasoning in a little bit but the point I'm making is that is the closest thing to a perfect album in my opinion that's come out in a very long time it is obviously the best album of the year and I think kind of unquestionably the best album of the decade but I know like my mom she's not gonna like that album at all so, so let's get into you know a 10 out of 10 right it, it kind of by definition almost says I'm, I'm perfect, right? Yeah, I've right. gotten full yes. marks. And I think for me, the last two points out of 10 are subjective. You know, to me, and you can have an eight out of 10 album that does everything right and it misses the 10 out of 10 if two criteria kind of have to happen to me to get to the 10. It's got to be personally compelling for me which is an, a, a highly individual thing, but to get from the eight to a nine, you got to be personally compelling. And then to get from the nine, so so I'm saying this is, you know, pretty much musically flawless, plus it's personally compelling. And then on top of that, if I want to have a 10 out of 10, what I really need to do is I need to somehow be, you know, societally relevant and lasting. You know, that, that last point... Mm-hmm. Not only do I have to be current, topical, interesting right now, but I've also got to be defining in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, I have a few criteria for what is, in my opinion, a quote unquote perfect album. Um, the first one is, I think, the most obvious part. And it's also where almost all albums f- fail and where they're like guaranteed not getting it done. And that is it has to be enjoyable from start to finish completely. Like, yeah, I have to enjoy it the entire way. And I think that's the most obvious, but it's also where um, most albums fall off. Um, and that's just because, I mean, writing, you know, 40 minutes, an hour or so of music that's really, really good and engaging is hard. It is. Like, it, it, it's incredibly difficult. The next part um, about that, the, the next thing 
to the next hurdle is it has to be from a technical perspective uh, basically flawless you know flawless yeah. playing flawless performances flawless production um and with just the my first two criteria i would say that eliminates every album we've heard so far this year i agree with just those two criteria and granted those are the two that will um will drown out most of them most of the albums um but then in the next thing that it has to have to be a perfect album is kind of what Eric was saying. It, it has to have some transcendent quality to it. Um, and that can be anything. It can just be like the best song I've ever heard. It can be an incredibly important historical and cultural statement, kind of like in with uh, To Pimp a Butterfly, um, just the whole theme and message of the album. Um, but now that being said, it doesn't have to have, you know, an important cultural marker. It just has to have some transcendent quality. Like Lil Pump could come out with an album tomorrow of just wall to wall, amazing club bangers. And it could, in theory, be a 10 out of 10 perfect album in, by my criteria. Um, so, so that, that that brings me to a, a question here: Is is it easier to assign a ten retroactively? Is it easier I to look back? I think it's only possible to assign a ten retroactively. You think you need that that time to see the staying power of the album? Yeah, um, because I don't think it's yeah, it helps for uh, sure. I don't know if I'd say it's impossible, but yeah, I think it's definitely okay, I, yeah. Actually, it I'll, helps I'll to be able to look back on yeah. my statement uh, to basically what Ben's saying is. It in almost all quality in all instances does require time, but not necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my criteria. Oh, yeah. If you want to finish. Oh, no, no you, can, you can. Go. OK. So, yeah, my criteria were relatively similar to uh, your guys criteria. And I was also came up with three points. Uh, mine were as follows. So first to be an, for an album to be considered perfect, it has to be very artistically compelling. And kind of like Brandon was saying, it doesn't necessarily have to be groundbreaking, but it does have to have some element of, you know, originality and something that distinguishes it from everything else. Um, a second point, and this is fairly obvious, it has to sound great. Um, it has to be played well, sung well, whatever. It has to get your attention throughout the whole album. And my third criterion is that it must be flawless. And... For my discussion of it, uh, I want to distinguish between the terms flawless and perfect. When I say flawless, I just mean it lacks any demerits. It lacks flaws, basically. An album uh, can I, be I flawless, in my view, said. and not be perfect. Uh, it can be, it can lack mistakes and yet still not reach perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the, the distinction I want to make there. And actually, you just reminded me of one one thing I forgot to say. Another criteria that mine must meet is it must achieve everything it's attempting to do. Yes. Which, yeah, which intentionality, is, yeah. Yeah, which is why, like, um, you can have, like, you don't have to have a deep, meaningful, culturally impactful album for it to be perfect. You can have an album of Club Bangers be a 10 out of 10 or be a perfect album um if 
that's all it's trying to do. Like it, I'm not going to yeah. judge an album for something it's not trying to be, which is why like I, I'm going to judge a, I'll just say, because I said earlier, I'm going to judge a little pump record very differently than I'm going to judge a Kendrick Lamar record. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I only half agree with that statement because I think intentionality is extremely important. Um, but at the same time, you know, if an album's, you know, threshold is an eight out of 10, then well, too bad for that album, you know? If that's the best it can possibly be, then maybe they just didn't set their sights high enough. So, you know, I I think if you, if an album is just going for really solid, you know, club bangers, then sure, maybe it does a great job of that, but maybe it shouldn't have gone for just solid club bangers in the first place if it's trying to be great. Right, I mean, for, what, okay, what, what does a 10 out of 10 club banger record look like? I mean... It's I mean, gotta, it's gotta be on the charts at the top forever. You know, every single song has to go double platinum. I mean, there's, yeah, I'm talking like theoreticals. Every single one of these club bangers would have to be like the quality of like uh, Beyonce's single ladies, like something where it just, it's a transcendently good club banger. But so yeah, and I even that for me I don't really see how an album could have ten of those in a row, but. In theory, it would be possible. Yeah. Now, do you guys have any examples of a perfect album that you would like to introduce? Yeah. I, so I, I, I thought I, of three. So, so yeah, I, I don't let's know about start with perfect, your, yeah. but let me, let, me, let me say like like tens. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I'll say perfect. I'll say tens. Because um, as, as we kind of alluded to earlier, like these are, they're, I don't, I think we're all kind of on board is there isn't really such thing, such a thing as perfect when it comes to music because it's it's subjective and it just can't really by nature but the closest thing to perfection is what i mean by a perfect album right yeah because I, yeah, I don't that's really, exactly how i approached it as well i don't really believe there is a perfect album by the strict definition of the word perfect but like i said i don't th- ha- like with to pimp a butterfly i don't think there's any way that album could have been improved in my opinion um, I know I, I have said before it it feels a bit long at times. Some of the songs in the middle maybe not be quite as good as some of the songs in the beginning or at the end. The album skit with Tupac is a little strange at the end. Um, but if I were to take any of those out, I think it would be detriment to the album. If I were to remove or change anything on that album, I think it would make the album worse, which is why I think that is that is one of my three examples I have of a perfect album. So give us the other two. Um, one, I'm sure you guys can probably guess because I Led said Led Zeppelin before, 4? Led Zeppelin 4. I think Led Zeppelin 4 is a perfect album. Um, and another one is actually a very similar time and genre that you guys may be less expecting, but I also think Queen's Night at the Opera is a perfect album. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I would not agree with that assessment at all. That one definitely doesn't say that for me, but, but like, like like, to me, that one's going to have, yeah, yeah, we just said like, it's all completely. Yeah. What's your thought process on that? That, That's one that to me is, is going to not be a 10 because it's going to have a hard time with those last two points I talked about earlier for me. Right. Mm -hmm. It could absolutely hit those for somebody else. Yeah. Um, well, uh, for starters, uh, it, 
the, the first two points I have of me enjoying it the entire way through. I love Night of the Opera, one of my all-time favorite albums. It's a great album. Um, and I think the, the perf- vocal performances are great. The instrumental performances are great. It's produced amazingly. Um, I just, it, from a technical standpoint, there isn't anything low or anything besides amazing on it. For as far as transcendent qualities go, there's a lot of huge hits that are still relevant today, including what could be argued one of the most famous songs of all time with Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I mean, that song is a bit of a qualifier for sure. And as far as it succeeding at everything it tries to do, it puts on this whole big, very pulpy, very um, Broadway-esque type of performance. And I think every song hits that theme right on the head uh, in a pretty much flawless fashion. Uh, which is why I think Night at the Opera is a quote-unquote perfect album. Yeah, I think a lot of the points there I would agree with, but for me, I thought the album was a little... I'd have to listen to it again because it's been a while, but I remember being a little sloppy, and there were definitely a handful of tracks that I thought were just pretty okay on that album. One thing I will say, make sure you don't listen to... I'm not not the deluxe version, because the deluxe version has a couple more songs on the back end. No, I think it was just the regular version. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I just want want that distinction, though. I will have to go back and revisit it, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean... I think on this podcast, unless we specifically call it out, we're never talking about the deluxe edition. So what, what are your guys's? I'm curious. Do you want to go first, Ben, or do you want me to go first? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go for it. Um, so I will say, um, yeah, like you guys were saying, um, instead of saying perfect in the literal sense, we're saying albums that get close to perfection or are just, you know, really amazing and mm-hmm. couldn't really and be hit all of the yeah. criteria. Hit, hit all the criteria. Exactly. I will say this. There's only one album I've ever heard that I can say with supreme confidence is perfect, and that's Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Um, I've listened to that album a bajillion times, as a lot of other people have as well, and I cannot think of a single thing I could do to improve that album. Um, it just hits all my criteria just perfectly. Um, it's very artistically compelling. Um, it still sounds uh, unique and groundbreaking today, you know, 40, whatever, 50 years after it came out. Um, it sounds amazing. Uh, the production, the songwriting, everything is great, and it lacks flaws. I mean, I cannot think of a single nitpick about anything on that album. Um, there are a few other albums that I can say with a decent amount of confidence I consider perfect, even though they're all a, are probably a couple minor, minor nitpicks I have. Um, OK Computer by Radiohead. Um, which features probably the best songwriting I've ever heard on an album. My only complaint about that album is the chorus on the song Electioneering, uh, which is the only time that Tom York's voice just sounds kind of irritating and, and weirdly placed. That is my only nitpick on that entire album. The rest is just fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd is another one I would put on that list. Um, artistically speaking, it, you could argue it's a more compelling album than Dark Side of the Moon. I definitely um, like it more than Dark Side of the Moon. A lot of people do. I think that's a totally fair point. I would still prefer Dark Side, but uh, yeah, Wish You Were Here is just incredible. You know, it's got the the opening and closing, you know, with uh, Shine and Crazy Diamond. It's got a really creepy kind of nightmare uh, scenario of Welcome to the Machine. Um, uh, the riff, the guitar riff on Have a Cigar is one of the best riffs in the history of music. And 
Uh, they've got Roy Harper uh, feature on the singing, which uh, for a long time, I didn't even like realize that was somebody else. You know, it just totally works with it. And then, of course, uh, the song Wish You Were Here, which is one of the most gorgeous songs they ever wrote. I mean, that, that's such a great album. I can't really find anything to nitpick there. Um, Abbey Road by the Beatles. Um, this album falls more in the flawless category to me than perfect. I think uh, it's, it's one album where, yeah, there's not a single thing I can find that's wrong with it. Um, it like as far as the individual songs, uh, there are songs on other albums that I think are better than the songs on this album, but I just I can't think of a way to improve that album. Um, yeah, for for all yeah. the, song, the albums you mentioned so far, um, I, I would have to dig a little deeper into them to see if I agree. Uh, with Dark Side of the Moon, I would say Us and Them and Any Color You Like, while being really good songs, I think the album does drag a little bit on those two songs. Okay. Um, once, I mean, we're completely just nitpicking yeah. right now. Right. Like, yeah. Um, and it's, it, it's just so hard to say. And this kind of goes to a topic I wanted to, uh, uh, kind of like a side thing that I wanted to mention. It's kind of like when talking about can something truly be perfect? And, um, and it's actually uh, what I want to talk about is drum core, which I'm sure our four listeners out there aren't very familiar with it. Um, basically, drum core is marching band on steroids. Five or so years ago, uh, drum core by um, Blue Devil, by the name of the Blue Devils, they broke the record for the highest score to show ever. So, like the the score the judges gave them was the highest in the history of drum core, and as part of that score was their guard. So like the flag line and rifles and all that were given a they were given a perfect score for that and that actually pissed a lot of people off. Um, hmm. For the reason of like, there's no way they were completely perfect. Like, right. um, one of the one of the members of the guard must have thrown their rifle a little bit higher than the person standing next to them. One of them must have done a flag spin a tiny bit slower than someone else like and that's kind of like the level of detail i'm looking at when when i say like us and them in any color you like drag a little bit yeah and that's a great uh, example and a similar anecdote that i would share is like on a school assignment uh i was always a lot more satisfied and a lot happier when i would get a 96 on an essay versus a hundred on an essay. Because if I got a hundred on an essay, that meant that the teacher saw that I checked the boxes and, you know, did a decent job and just gave me a hundred. But if a teacher gave me like a 96, it meant the teacher really took the time to look at what I had written and assessed it and had determined that it was really good, but there were some things that needed to be improved on. That meant so much more to me than the perfect score. And I, I think that's kind of, yeah. And a bit here. of a counterpoint, though, like w- when we're talking about scoring something, you're, I mean, your scale, I think, has to account for the fact that true perfection maybe doesn't exist. And the fact that, like, for example, if I'm going to rank something out of 10, why bother ranking out of 10 if I'm not going to possibly assign the 10? I mean, there, there, well, to me, yeah, there well, has I think to there be, could be different levels of a 10, though. But, yeah, I think but, but think about it this we're way. We're kind of getting into the heart yeah. of why we're doing rankings instead of numbered scores 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think, but I, I think, you know, if I'm going to assign you marks out of something, I think there has to be a point where I say, yeah, good. And that is good enough to get the full 10 marks or well, yeah, that is good enough for the full way. 20 out of 20. But if you, if you're on a, on, um, integers, I mean, and you have to choose between a nine and 10, well, you know, if you get a 95 or a 96, you know, that rounds, that would round to a 10, you know, but it's doesn't mean it it's totally perfect it just means that it you know 10 is the closest number that you would that you would assign to that you know if you're rounding you know right i i think that's that's fine and i I think that's why it's important at least for me to talk about like a 10 out of 10 album versus like a perfect album right yeah that's a good point yeah Yeah, no no, that that is definitely a good point no and and i do agree with it like because also like if you could say like oh well there's no such thing as perfection then I'm not going to give a 10 because nothing's perfect, then okay, well, the highest score you can get is a 9, then like, well, then using the same logic of why you wouldn't give a 10, wouldn't the same thing apply to 9 and just nine. all the way well, down? Well, personally, I, I go to 11. <laughs> 11 is you like came so hard that you hit yourself in the face and then instantly died upon hearing it. I've been there before. <laughs> Something like that. Let me just go through real quick my three other albums that I would consider perfect. Oh, you have, you have uh, a few. Well, okay. And originally I was just going to choose like a couple, but when I thought about it more, it's like, you know, we have to kind of change the definition of perfect. So I would put Black Star by David Bowie, um, uh, Slint by Spiderland, um, which is one of the albums I recommended um, for a future bonus episode, and Bob Dylan's Highway 61 Revisited. Now, I can find small flaws in those albums, but again, they're so close to being... (laughs) astonishingly good that I thought I would include them. Um, Bob Dylan's, I definitely don't know enough about to say. Uh, Spiderland, we're going to be talking about that soon, so I won't say anything about it. But um, with David Bowie, I I actually quite a bit disagree Mm -hmm. with that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I figured, yeah, I I disagree with that statement. Yeah, It's a tremendous album. Definitely a contender for album of the year for, that's 2017, correct? I believe it was 16. Uh, I mean, either, no, either way, I think, you're, I think it was 17. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless, it's definitely a strong contender for album of the year. And I, if someone were to name it album of the year, album of the decade, I wouldn't immediately um, dismiss the the thought. Although I, I do think to pimp a butterflies, uh, as far as for that, as I said before, if we're doing album of the decade. I do think that is kind of head and shoulders above everything else. But like I said, my opinion, people may disagree. Yeah, and uh, um, to clarify, Black Star, it that's another one that falls. So that meets two of my criteria really well. It meets the flawless criteria. It's an album uh, I can't find a single flaw in it as far as the songwriting of the composition. Uh, it also meets the artistically compelling uh, criterion uh, with flying colors. Uh, it does not quite meet the just pure sound quality. There are some times where his voice probably wavers or there's some minor thing going on with production. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't fully meet all my criteria, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't find anything that I would change about that album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I suppose that takes us to you. Unless there's something more you want to say. I, I no, that's all I have to say. Yeah, I'd love to hear I, what you in, have to in say. In my opinion, as great as Black as Black Star is, that doesn't meet my criteria of being enjoyable all the way through. There are some parts where I get a little bored. There's some parts where I'm like, uh, I'm not super vibing with this. That being said, great album. Um, absolutely love it. 
Um, but and kind of looking at the albums we've listened to so far this year, I don't even know if there's a single album. I would say I've 100% enjoyed all the way through. Um, because like even with, um, yeah, um, Wanderers, I feel the same way actually. There, yeah, there, there, there's some parts of Wanderers where I'm like, eh, maybe not. Even though I, th- I do think Wanderers does meet the transcendent criteria. Yeah. Well, um, you said in the beginning of the episode, it's hard to to write amazing music for 40 minutes it's hard to write amazing music for an hour and 55 minutes <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah anyway so uh eric on to on to yours yeah so i i picked out four um so you know one of them being a classical example i think my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is a 10 yeah i think everything on that album deserves to be there I can't think of anything I would take off or add to it to that four-minute Chris Rock monologue. I love the Chris Rock monologue. God, I, I would hate not. It. No, I also would not give it a ten. Um, I wouldn't give it a perfect, um, but at the same time, I think that's a totally legitimate yeah. opinion to have. Like the that Chris Rock monologue is the only negative thing I have to say about the whole album. Um, Nicki Minaj's like British sing-songy voice at the beginning is kind of funny, <laughs> but. I wouldn't necessarily say it's bad, and it certainly needs to be there. But it's Kanye. We need a Chris Rock monologue that's totally stupid. About reupholstering pussy. Yeah, reupholstering your vagina. Anyway, Eric, keep going. I'm sorry. I have a very drunk wife on my floor behind me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We are keeping that in the episode. (laughs) Oh, boy. uh, Anyway, so... Number two is one that I have a I talked about before. So I think of my my nine that I recommended, one of them I think is a ten out of ten, and I think that it is switched on Buck. I, think I still haven't listened to it. I know I'm supposed to for our uh, upcoming episode, and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, that's a tough one for me because thinking of my criteria that I said, I do believe it meets all that criteria, but also if you think about it. It is technically a covers album. The only 10 out yeah, of 10 covers album. <laughs> that's tough, because how could it be original? It's not an it's original, not original musical yeah. thought. Right. But that uh, I said this to you guys when I when I did hear it, and I will say it now, and I will go into more detail in an upcoming bonus episode. It might be the single most technically impressive thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I, I guess I don't really consider the fact that you know, it's not necessarily a pure original composition, but it's so good though. <laughs> does does merit the question? Um, you know, does can a cover be a ten out of ten? I mean, Johnny Cash's cover of Hurts better than Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, I think an individual cover can be. I don't know about an entire album of them. Train playing Led Zeppelin 2 is pretty flagrant. <laughs> if you've never actually heard the album. I haven't, but I God, actually have an we idea. should I do something on that. Oh, God. Oh. Alright, uh, anyway, so what are... So, uh, you two more. Have more, or two I more. have two more. Um, yeah, these are both getting into metal for me. My, you know, my wheelhouse here. I think Ghost's debut, Opus Anonymous, is a 10. It's really good. I don't know if I can give it a 10, but man, it's really good. It's... It's God. It's really good. That was um, the. I mean, that was that was the first metal album in a long time 
that I really liked. Incidentally, it also has a cover on it. <laughs> no, that's the cover of the. the here comes the sun. Oh, here comes the, the sun, right? Okay. Fun fact: that was only on the B side of the Japanese release. Damn, yeah, that's a shame because it's beautiful. That's honestly one of the best covers I've ever. Um, I, I don't know if I can say it's a ten out of ten, but man, is it close! And I, I do agree. One thing, uh, one thing that you had said last week when we were talking about Wanderers, is it was like hearing, like because we both got into metal, like we'll just say fifteen years ago. I really don't know. Um, and you hear all the that great stuff come out. You hear, you know. Um, Master of Puppets, Ride the Lightning, you hear Rain and Blood, um, you know, stuff like that, like the classics, ones that have been, that have survived the test of time. Um, he, when that, when I first heard that album, um, it felt like hearing those for the first time all over again, in my opinion. And I know Ghost is somewhat of a controversial uh, metal band, I guess, but I don't know. Their, their first album is so goddamn good. Yeah, the, to me, the, the the potential downside is probably the sound quality. It's a it, little rougher sounding, but oh, man, in the genre, it, it doesn't hurt so bad. Yeah, it does. It doesn't hurt in the genre, and it definitely doesn't take away from the album. I, I think it's good enough to pass my criteria of being technically flawless. Yeah, I mean, it's the only thing that could make that album sound better is more money. <laughs> and I don't necessarily know that that's a bar I want to set. Well, they should uh, hit up Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Shit. Well, they definitely got the money to do, it, to do it now, so maybe we'll get a remaster someday. So my last pick is, uh, so, you know, you were talking about the metal classics, right? And, you, you know, you mentioned Master of Puppets, you mentioned Rain and Blood, and I actually pick neither of those for my 10 out of 10 when you're talking about that section. The mm-hmm. one that I think is a 10 out of 10 is Rust in Peace. You think it's better than anything Metallica's ever done? As a complete and whole album, yes. Might be a bit of a hot take, but I don't necessarily disagree. It's 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 definitely a defensible position. So so I will defend it real quick. You know, the big problems I have are stuff like, you know, the songwriting on Justice might be better than Rust in Peace, but it sounds so bad. The production on Justice is ass. It's disqualifying, right? Yes, Or or like, you know... Master of Puppets has a couple low points that aren't super interesting. Rust in Peace kind of stays on message the entire album. And maybe that message is a little bit of Dave Mustaine's weirdness and is a little bit less publicly digestible and stuff. You know, some of the songs on there are a little weird, but I think I think start to finish, that is probably the most consistent of the classic great it, metal albums. It might be the best guitar work on a metal album ever. I mean, Marty Friedman tore that shit up. I mean, I mean, Dave was myself. Yeah. I've like, always been more partial to Risk, but I can see, I can see that being. <laughs> uh, I do think. Oh, that took a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What? Oh!" <laughs> I do. I have think, not listened to the full um, album. I need to, though. I really as, need to do that. Yeah. I, as far as like the classic thrash albums go, I do think Ride the Lightning's better than any of those. Trapped under ice, really. It's a great song. It's and it's a great song, and it is definitely the weakest song on the album. But it's a great song. It's a good song. <laughs> but yeah, those are my those are the four that I I decided to land on for 
thinking about it for a week. Yeah, they're they're that's all a really tough good. question to answer. Um, yeah, I, I. But but that's that's where you get into those final kind of points. I mean, at least the nine to ten bridge, at least one of those points has got to be personal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we all ended up with relatively similar criteria too, which is good, I guess. Mm-hmm. That we agreed for the most part on relatively on, similar yeah. criteria and wildly different albums. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it just comes down to taste, but yeah, mm-hmm. at least as I far mean, as how we evaluated it, we had you know similar thoughts. I think that's the answer to the question: is when you start talking about a ten, you can no longer leave out the element of taste. There's no, no such thing as an objective ten, right? Yeah. I think there's like objective eights or nines. There's not an objective ten. Yeah, no, I agree. So yeah, even that, I mean, I mean, we're talking about opinions here. I mean, at the end of the day, it's you know, it's by definition subjective. You know, <laughs> but um, to that, there is like objective qualities to music. True. Um, which is why, like, and like the best objective albums of all time, you have to at least respect that they are that they have great objective qualities mm-hmm. yeah yeah but so you I think have you an know, album that yeah go ahead so i mean so we've talked a lot about what makes the 10 we've talked about kind of some albums we think are a 10 so I, i'm kind of curious you know not something we typically do but since we're in the context and you know we we did an album this week that got a lot of news for being rated a 10 you know and it's kind of hard to Ratings out of 10 are a thing. So what would you rate the highest album on your list right now? If you had to pick um, uh, out of 10. Yeah, out of 10. Uh, eight is my highest right now. I think I would give Wanderers a nine with a chance of getting into the 10 category and given some time. Yeah, so yeah. the way I do it, I put five as my neutral. So a five, like you may think of a five as bad, but for me, like I'm using five as just totally neutral, didn't like, didn't dislike. So for me, um, yeah, like a six is slightly good. A seven's pretty solid. An eight's, you know, really good. A nine's incredible. And then a 10 is like a life-changing album for me. So, so far, yeah, the highest is is definitely not higher than an eight right now for me. Yeah, I think I would go an eight, maybe, maybe breaking into a nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. for Wanderers uh, just because I personally enjoyed it so much yeah um, I I do th- to me Wanderers is solidly a 9 I th- it is it is one of the best listening experiences I've ever had and personally which is why I say it has a chance given some time to get into that 10 category yeah, um, if it stays kind of thing it, it has to stay that way and I have to like its highlights as a transcendent enough quality to make up for, I think, some weaknesses in its production. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty pretty fair take. Uh, as far as some of my other highly highly rated ones, uh, Dua Lipe, which, as, as I had said before, was for a very short period of time my highest rated album of the year. Um, that gets held back from the last song from being in that category. Um, not necessarily that it's bad. It's just that it just doesn't fit with the rest of the album. And it, it's a really jarring juxtaposition. Um, Mac Miller, another one that I've been open about, that was one that was for a very long time, 
uh, highly rated, uh, my, my number one album for, really is missing that transcendent quality. Um, yeah. It's it's a really good album front to back. Technically, it's flawless. Um, the best song on there, in my opinion, uh, being um, Good News, it, it's not a transcendently good song. It's not a completely unique, fresh cultural statement. Um, yeah. So because of that, I can't put it out there. And I'm not going to go any further than that on my list because those are the only ones I've been up front that were at one point my highest rated album. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm in a very similar boat where if we if we call Wanders, you know, just barely a nine, let's say, I would say my next three after that are eights and then everything else is like to me i think a seven is a pretty pedestrian rating in the sense that like a seven is a really good album but there are a lot of sevens yeah eights you're starting to have you you shouldn't have a ton of eights every year you could have you know every album that came out in a year could be a seven eights are starting to get to the point where like yeah that's that's a slightly more exclusive group and and not not exclusive to the point where i would expect a number of albums every year to be an eight yeah absolutely but when we start getting to nines and tens that's that's a lot more rare i'm talking you know one or two a year are gonna hit that nine kind of ten thing unless it's a great year you know i agree i think you could have years where no album hits a nine possibly yeah, I think that would Probably be fair. Not and, happen, but I think and, it's and possible. I mean, yeah. Partially because it's just taste, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe this year, you know, say we get ten albums that you say are an eight this year. One tenth of albums hit the eight. If none of mm-hmm. those speak to you personally, you got no nines. So right. I don't think it would be crazy to have ten eights and no nines. You know, something. Oh, totally. I agree. I mean, it's a bell curve, so you know, you mm-hmm. get to the ends of that, and it really, really sharply. I mean, so, so we've done what twenty nine albums at this point, I think. Thirty one, uh, thirty one albums, yeah. and I'm talking four or better than a seven, maybe. That's about where I'm at as well. And, yeah. and I, I, have, I think that's fair. I have funny. I have uh, it's kind of funny. I have seven that I would rate higher than a seven. I have but, uh, um, four right now. Looks like I, yeah. I will say, um, my. I think my scores kind of shifted up one. I think I think every year there's at least there's at least a handful of nines. In my That's opinion. probably true because we can't listen to everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, but a ten out of ten, there is no guarantee for a ten out of ten a year. There may not even be a guarantee for ten out of ten for a given decade. I agree. Um, I think that is when you're getting to the point of where it's kind of a hot take. To say like, oh, there was a whole decade without a single ten out of ten, which is what Pitchfork did with Fiona Apple, because the the ten their last ten out of ten was Kanye West, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, and I think that's a much. I, I said during our episode that I think that's a much, much hotter take than the fact that those are the only two tens to come out uh, during that time period. I think. The fact that there were no other tens in that time period is a much hotter take than Fiona Apple being mm-hmm. a ten yeah. or Kanye West being a ten. Right. Um, like because I mean I loved. I, I don't even know what I, I would say I loved. I I think Fiona Apple is a very good to great album. But if you're giving that a ten, there is zero way to pimp a butterfly is not a ten. Good Kid, right. Mad City is not a ten. Right. Um, even though I'm not a huge fan of them, uh, but some of the shit Death Grips has come out with would absolutely meet 
my criteria if you liked that style of music. Uh, who else? The Swans put out some shit. Um, Tyler, the Creator's uh, Igor. And honestly, Flower Boy, I think, are in the contender. Behemoth Black Satan's, Star would make it by that criteria. Black Star. Yeah. I think all of those albums we just said are better than, than yep. Fiona Apples. Right. And I don't necessarily know that the drought is the problem. To me, the problem is the drought. You know, you start the drought with Twisted Fantasy, which I I personally agree is a 10. And you say, okay, nothing else has come out that hits that quality level, which I, I don't know that I agree with. Um, but but yeah, land on Fiona Apple is the other side of that bathtub is just false. Yeah, because if that one hits the criteria for 10, you've missed seven or eight albums at least. Right. Yeah. And like I I think I said it during um, during the main video is uh, during the video when you were talking about Fiona Apple is her album Idler Wheel came out in 2012. And I think that album's way better than Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Yeah, I'll have to look into it. I'm really curious about her other stuff. So, yeah, I think she only has five albums total. So I'm going to go well, she back. She comes and, out with one album like every like 10 years. Yeah, exactly. I think that had a lot to do with the hype on this one, too. Well, yeah, that, that's an interesting sidebar related to being a 10. And, and so not to get back to Fiona Apple, but, you know, so. I mean, she's the reason we're doing this episode. Right. right so so the, the part of the reason this got a 10 is, you know, a lot of people said, like, you know, the themes of feeling trapped or whatever and kind of stuff are very not only is it with all the me too stuff and whatever relevant to that but it also feels very relevant to like when it released with the whole lockdown situation and all that kind of stuff and people mm-hmm. feeling pent up and all that. it's like okay great but she wrote this in 2015 right this this went to mixing in 2019 this is this was not written with that in mind so i mean is timing part of being a 10 I mean, that's a good question. Every yeah, I mean, single thing about the album's part of it. Like, if you were to come out with Led Zeppelin Four, which I think might be one of the colder takes of a perfect album we've said tonight. I don't know, just my personal opinion. Yeah, but, I was very um, close to considering that perfect. I, it fell a hair but, um, short for me, but I was very close. Thought of it, yeah. Yeah. If a band I mean, yeah. came out with Led Zeppelin Four today, there's no way that'd be a ten out of ten. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, because it was all. It definitely. Paved I mean, the way for things more back then. An album then. that's and by even, and large yeah. about Lord of the Rings is not getting a 10 out of 10 <laughs> in 2020. Like, let's be real here. Yeah. You underestimate nerd culture. <laughs> they are desperate for something nerdy now that Game of Thrones is terrible. I don't know that I have a whole lot more to say. All right. Well, uh, thank you all very much for listening. I hope we didn't piss anybody off with our scorching fuego takes this evening probably the hottest takes in months <laughs> Fantano is pulling his hair well he doesn't have hair but he would be pulling He's it out he's pulling right his now. mustache out <laughs> except that I completely agreed with him this week and then gave that's Twisted true, Fantasy a 10 <laughs> like the extent of my disagreement with Fantano on uh, Fiona Apples he gave it a light 7 I think I'd give it a strong 7 maybe even a low 9 I mean a low 8 a low 8 yeah yeah, but, yeah I mean Eric he, he gave uh you're 10 at 6, so I mean, you can't praise the guy too much. He gave Lulu a 6. He gave Lulu the same score as you were 10 Jesus, man. It's a subjective thing right there, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, he you just. Know, some people there, want to talk about yes. blood coming out of a colored man's dick and call that a 6. I mean. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe it was more avant garde than we thought it was. I mean, after all, we've nine years have passed. Maybe we need to give it another decade. <laughs> Lars Ulrich says yes. Uh, 
I mean, I honestly somewhat agree. I could very well see. You know, we're we're getting sidetracked. We can talk about this during our zero week. Um, oh god. Anyway, thank you all very much for listening. Join us and, next uh, week for Is Lulu a Zero? Uh, in some ways it is. In some ways it isn't. But I feel like that'll that'll be a very central Lulu point is ninety percent zero and ten percent ten. Ninety <laughs> percent zero and ten percent colored man stick. It averages out to about a two. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening. Have a good night. <laughs>